0: What's up, guys? Phil Vallejo here with Modern Day Sniper Podcast, and welcome back to another episode. If this is your first time listening to the Modern Day Sniper Podcast, welcome. We hope you enjoy it. This podcast is everything long-range precision rifle shooting, whether you're a competitive shooter, professional military law enforcement sniper, a hunter, or just an enthusiast looking to gain that extra edge of your long-range shooting journey, welcome and like I said I hope you take something away from it. In this episode we are at Pig River just wrapping up our intro to precision class. We've got the whole crew, Kalen, Ryan, Phil as well as John Karugi also known as Weapon Snatcher. He joins us on this episode and we pretty much just recap the intro class. Now at our fourth year at Pig River. Huge shout out to Josh Bandy for hosting us. But it was an awesome event. We cover a a bunch of different topics throughout this podcast, so we hope you enjoy it. A little bit of rambling, but that's okay. And again, if you are new to the modern day sniper community, come join us in our network, also known as Modern Day Rifleman Network. All you have to do is sign up it's free to join, to find yourself amongst a community of shooters just looking to get better and share their journey of long range shooting. To do that, all you have to do is head over to www.moderndayriflemen.com and set yourself up a free account. Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hope to see you in the network. And until then, you guys know the drill. Keep your face on the gun. Well, what's up, guys? How goes it?
1: For you. It's, it's Virginia. We're here. This is year number four, man. That's pretty cool. <coughs> and every year, it's just kind of changed a little bit. You it's know? grown, right? I Huge.
0: Think. Uh, well, so the first. Well, no, okay. So the first year we did we did this. You and I were together. Right. The first we year, that we was modern day, day old ass year. house
1: Airbnb. Yep.
0: In town. You fucked me and you had me sleep on the
2: couch. I think we should have just... I totally screwed I think you should cut that before you say sleep on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm doing right now. Uh, hey, I'm
0: on the floor, so... So, I slept on the couch that first year. Kaylin got the bedroom. Yeah. And uh, then year two, we had Owen with us. we stayed, we in, stayed here. We stayed in this house yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. That was fun. And then the last night, we stayed up to like at two o'clock in the morning no, no
1: there's no we in that you and <laughs> Owen did you
0: and Owen did we also had the uh, uh, Matt solo and his boys from second mm-hmm. UTg out here mm-hmm. that was fun um we also that was the same year that we started our
1: uh, Marine Corps celebration yep yeah with, with Owen and those guys yeah, yeah for sure last year staying out in the in the Boon basically it's straight down that straight down the road from the light. Right, go out that way. Um, I think that would be a great B and B for guys shooting matches here, right? If you if you had a bunch of dudes together, oh yeah, you know that that was place, it available again for this. Uh, I didn't see it, oh. and that's the thing, man. Like Airbnbs in in Rocky Mountain are not like super prevalent.
0: The only thing I didn't so. like about that is that there was like no service there. No, there was no service. Yeah. so that was we had last year, and that was also like Ryan's like interview slash. uh, Yeah. uh, (laughs) That was like his interview slash
1: who is this guy? (laughs) What? What? You knew me.
0: Well
3: Well, it was mainly
1: for Riot for Kaylin. Well you got the whole you got the whole meal deal, right? Like that was um man, that was a tough year, right? Like you got to see like you got to see me at like a super super vulnerable level because that was the day that josh died and that fucking sucked um but that was good in the grand scheme of things because you know like that was real and it it was on the birthday yeah i got the text um i got the text from uh from my buddy marty that said you know josh crashed his cub and and he didn't make it and i'm going to recover it and it was just like, I got that. Like, that was literally the first thing I, I read. You know, it was just like, holy shit.
3: And it was wild, though, because uh, fast forward, what, two, three months, we stayed at that B&B in Volusia County. And then you mm-hmm. picked a bedroom that had
1: Oh, that's poster, right. And that was yeah. wild. That was wild. Oh, did you ever keep it? What, what kind of poster? What poster? So, okay, yeah, this is really wild, right? So we stayed in, in that B&B and uh, we went down to v- Volusia County. That was later um we came here in november of 2022 and then ryan and i went to volusia county in february of 23. yeah and um we're staying at this place and random random so random i mean now so so deland florida is there's a lot of people that support the parachute industry in deland florida right because that's where a lot of parachute companies and canopy manufacturers that's where complete parachute solutions is based out of with their corporate offices but that b and that room and right. that was, closet it <laughs> was wild so i'm i'm in the room and i'm i just happened to go into the closet to to like grab something and out of the corner of my eye i see this like you know it's like a poster it's like this kind of cut in the closet so that goes back up. it's really weird but yeah it's rolled up and so i'm like that might be a little creepy, right? But I'm curious, like, but then I, I moved it and I saw Complete Parachute Solutions logo on it. And so I go, holy shit. So I pull that out, I you know, pull the rubber band off of it. And, and so I spread it out and it is um, the poster of one of the CPS Mount Everest expeditions that the first person that I saw in the picture was Josh. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and the name was on there too, yeah. like like Josh Seagrave. and it was just like, whoa, whoa, wow. <laughs> I, I mean, I t- I took a picture of it, and I texted Marty, I texted Cody, and I was just like, yo. Did you
3: keep it? Didn't you reach out to the owners of the B and B and be like, hey, this
1: is. You know, I B&B. I didn't I didn't do that. I, I didn't do that. I thought about doing that, and I didn't do that. Like, I took that I took that experience for what it was supposed to to show me, you know, for what it was. And i rolled the poster back up and put it exactly where i found it exactly in the same orientation as i found it and uh it was just one of those things where it's creepy yeah it, i mean it i don't know man like it just depends on what it is that you believe in but um for me that's like a that's a signal from the universe yeah 100 percent. Right? you know so yeah last year was pretty tough at that one but a uh, great place to stay yeah like that place was huge. It had every, I mean, it was somebody's home, right? That was those, that was those people's homes. Like you could tell, like they had all of their cookbooks. They had all of the things like they had junk drawers and they had like good cooking pots. uh, There was more cooking stuff in that house than you can shake a (laughs) stick at. We could have freaking cooked for an army at that place for real. Yeah. So that was, that was a cool place. And then we just that place was what like twenty five minutes from the range. Oh, cool! So it's a little, so bit it was out a little, there. little further, a little bit out there. Because the,
0: the 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 couple Airbnbs that you and I've stayed at has only been like ten minutes from the range. Right. 10, 10, this
1: 10 one's only like ten minutes from the range. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. This is a great place. This this does the does the deal. Yeah. But uh, we've
0: been we've do, we've been doing well with our three pots. All right, yeah. <laughs> you know, all right, so
2: we had an amazing dinner tonight. Whatever name it was. No, let's talk about that. that yeah, was chicken, well, what, chicken when you and first Obo. guys, when you first started talking about, it, I thought you said Quindoba, and Good I was Doba, like, "Isn't oh. that the the restaurant place we're oh. making Quindoba here?" Yeah. I was confused, but I also got terrible hearing. <laughs> <laughs> but then you've been cooking like three tacos and oatmeal every single morning, so it's just how we roll, man. Yeah, it's delicious. I would much uh, rather used to the kindness.
1: I would much rather be in a place where I can have some semblance of of a home and a, and a home routine. So, I get to the point, man. Nowadays, I, I walk through a hotel room like staying someplace with my wife is different. You know, getting a nice place that's totally different. But when you yeah. walk into like a Hampton Inn and you know that that's going to be your 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 place for ten days, I want to vomit.
3: I actually, can <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, maybe I'm just. Like like maybe I'm just. About Vegas.
3: Maybe I'm used to trash, but <laughs> I, I, just, nah, I, I stayed in so
2: hotel rooms. I like it. Know. I was like,
3: wow, this is cozy. It was just like I don't know what to
2: clean up after myself. <laughs> terrible.
3: Wow, this is cozy. I'm sorry, but if I if I am paying money, which is you know, what? I don't even get freaking start on this. We talked about it. You know how I feel. I'm getting all worked up. <laughs>
2: Well, at least we're I'm more about upset. Your you know what? Now. I'm
3: also upset about We didn't get a freaking bloomin' onion yesterday. <laughs> man.
2: <laughs> <You guys laughs> this blooming onion. For those of you my who guy, don't know, my yesterday guy. was Veterans Day compared to the time now. You get a bloomin' onion, but dips extra. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, it's man. an apple. It's thing. The, the
1: travesties of life, Ryan. I don't know.
3: I think it's just the. I think it's just fun saying bloomin' onion. Yeah. I just have I sat here one? in bed last night, and by bed I mean the couch. Have you had
0: a blooming onion?
3: Yeah, and I was like, "Blooming onion."
2: It's disappointing. Like, what? Yeah, they're not good. I don't care for onions. But... It's the principle.
3: <laughs> I joined the Marine Corps to get a freaking blooming onion, and I'm going to eat it.
2: <laughs> wow. Well, they didn't promise you a rose garden. That's a joke. They didn't
1: promise you a rose garden. Absolutely. <laughs> but I tell you guys, I have a I have a leather neck from nineteen. Forty-three. really that what's mean? a leather neck no i'm
2: just kidding <laughs> yeah i got a
1: leather neck from 1943 it's pretty bad worst marine and ever it's got this it's got this kid on the front of it you know in a in a helmet with a with an m1 and uh he looks like he's about 12 probably was and it's it's just it's crazy to flip through that thing you know and look at all the articles and all the ads and everything i'm gonna turn it into a shadow box yeah that's awesome cool. it's freaking really cool, cool. yeah no. That's probably one of the. I think I don't really have a whole lot of like super historical stuff. Like you, you and your dad had the, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the the antique firearm collection. I don't have a lot of historical stuff. Um, you know, but that's one thing that I think deserves a place on the wall
2: for sure. The thing with the the historical stuff. So to add clarity, I grew up with an antique firearms collection. Um, with a majority, well, the majority of the pieces from the confederacy uh, but some of the pieces dated back to the revolutionary war and i think it's one of those things since i always it was always there it was inadvertently taken advantage of right my dad grew up very hands on with them whereas my dad for me I, he was always working so i didn't grow up very hands on with them but they were always around and <clears throat> i have appreciated them more in my adult life even though I'm not around them because of the historical context to the firearms history that I have in my profession as an instructor and a teacher. Like, uh, today's a good example. Um, When I was talking about slings, right? I mentioned, like, hey, do you know the origin of slings on firearms? Like, they were first used as stabilizing for guys in the 16th, 15th century having shooting competitions. Like, there's paintings of that. So being able to go from that far back... To where you're standing now on a firing line, and we're still using them in the same context, it adds depth, just like the Marine Corps, Spirit of Corps, right? Like you got 248 years of this history that you become a part of. You step up to the plate, and you become you learn to become a shooter. You're taking on part of that history, Yeah, and that's a that's a great perspective. Yeah. So For and sure. I mean, America, there's arguments you can say that uh, we're we're built on the rifleman.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent. 100 percent like you didn't survive you, you didn't survive on the frontier unless you knew how to shoot a rifle right that was a part of your normal day-to-day routine that was how you survived like so that's a part of american heritage whether you want to admit it or not
0: to think about it like in that context right like it i mean it makes me think of as silly as it sounds as jeremiah johnson Oh,
2: and it's not silly at all. Right. And he like, did that
1: by... That that story, he volunteered to do yeah, that because yeah. he just returned from a war and he said, I need to get out of this and I need to go someplace other than all of this madness and mayhem that I've experienced for the Doesn't last... Doesn't that sound familiar? Years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like it... I mean, that's a... I mean, Jeremiah Johnson's an absolute classic, man. Like, that thing will be... That thing will be a classic for generations to come, too. It was fantastic. Movie. Everyone's in the background like, oh, my God, Phil watched Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: remember. While I was we were, we were, we were cooking It was rides. like one of those things. We did
1: that tonight. With, what, what movie was it? It was um. What movie did I say? Have you seen that movie? Oh, uh was crap.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, no, it, was a,
1: it was a shot at being a millennial. <laughs> yeah, which one? Not.
2: Yeah, but, um, <sighs> I don't remember. But I, you are a millennial. You though. are a millennial. 1991? No. You're Gen Z? No, before that. No, millennial. Oh, I'm a millennial. I'm 32.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm fucking millennial.
2: Yeah, I'm a 35. I'm a
0: millennial. He's, he's a millennial. Oh, man. I
1: don't know. I I'm the guy I'm, the guy. I'm 44.
2: You're I just missed
0: it. You're a gen... Uh, gen... I'm you're a the gen
2: generation that fucked up. the no, I'm just kidding.
0: Uh, Gen, you're Gen X. Yeah, I'm Gen, Gen X. X yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So I just, I mean, fuck, I barely miss. Is that like a they them thing? Probably. No, nah. we're
0: we're technically Gen Y, but we're just known as millennials.
2: When did the Gen alphabet start? And then Gen Z. Yeah, Gen Z's our is, kids' age. Is our kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I don't remember what movie though.
1: It was uh you
2: you were quoting it to me, and I recognized. Damn that. it! Oh, it's It's right I'll right it. as
1: we cooked dinner. It was right to be cooked dinner. Um, Either way, go back to Jeremiah Johnson though. <laughs> That's one of those movies. It's just like, yeah. have you seen Jeremiah Johnson? Yeah, I've not. Somebody says you know has not. Has you say do, yes. do you
0: know who has not seen Jeremiah Johnson?
1: Claire. Ryan. Right. Ryan. Ryan. Oh, we have a TV <laughs> right there. Did we just learn how to make a fire? You and know, we're I, I, gonna I, watch Jeremiah Johnson.
3: I'd rather. I'd rather I'd, not. You know what? I'd rather watch. What? Uncle Roger Jurassic Park 3 <laughs> where <laughs> Phil's calling for help when he sneezes.
1: <laughs> Do you want to be vulnerable about the fire, Ryan? Do you Ooh. want
3: to be vulnerable? Hey, about oh, the fire? absolutely admit. I was like, hey, Caitlin, can you show me how to make this fire? Exactly, which is why you need great. to
2: watch Jeremiah Johnson. He got a squaw by the end of it. It was yeah. great. Oh, what? So it's a story. <laughs> so it's a story
1: of this, of this, this, uh. I can't remember if it's like if it's depicted in like the Spanish American War or whether it's after the Civil War. It's mountain man. It doesn't matter, right? It's it doesn't mountain, matter. Man. So he comes. This is a this is an individual who participated in multiple combat campaigns, right? And it was during the big uh, push west into the frontier during the trapping days and um, like eighteen fifty timeframe, and a lot of people that wanted to get away were venturing into this land that was called the frontier and it was uncharted unmapped um there nice. were there were indians everywhere um who knows what you were going to come into contact with and the dude found himself a horse um he knew nothing about being a mountain man so he found himself a horse and a mule and he Tried to find uh, a 50 caliber Hawkins rifle, and he couldn't oh, find yeah, a 50 caliber yeah. Hawkins. Right, the best he could find was a 30 caliber. Uh, it was a 30 or 35 caliber, whatever um, it
2: was. He got. It survived. doesn't matter. He he
1: just like it was like all he could get, and he was like, "Fine, I'm gonna take that, and yeah, I'm gonna take this, and um, I'll see you." And off he goes west. He left Missouri, and he went west, and ended up in the Rockies, and so. Um, a lot of the sto- some of the stories in there are have bode some truth
2: um, I like think they the, pulled, crazies, the I think they novels. pulled stories from different places and brought it into one which, yeah. which is absolutely fine because it still gives you a lot of historical context it's amazing <sighs> right yeah. it's yeah. absolutely amazing I mean I often think I mean
1: Cass gives me shit for this all the time because she's just like i know he's i know what he's thinking about he's probably thinking about what this looked like before anyone was here you know and she just busts my balls about it but it's fine but i do man i look out and i'm I'm always asked myself like driving across a part of the country like what did this look like prior to us putting all of our fucked up shit on it
2: i think the same thing but i don't go back to the mountain men time i go back to like mammoths and saber tooths and everything? Because for sure. me, that's I mean, yeah, fascinating. That like far, absolutely. giant cats with like foot-long teeth and yeah, it's hair. Like, that sounds bananas. Giant sloths. The dodo, oh. taekwondodos. dodos yeah.
1: Uh, fishing, on, uh, fishing up in Alaska on that float trip that I went on, they told us um, when we first started the trip, they said, you know, probably like day three to day five of the seven-day trip pay real close attention to the sides the banks of the river because you can find uh, mastodon tusks
2: oh that's cool yeah right? like
1: fossilized that's really cool Ben petrified mastodon tux, tusks and they said you know it's not a guarantee it happens um a lot of the native population up there the inuits they search those things out and um, they're very successful in finding them but um, erosion you know the river in one year you just might find one
2: right One thing I think is cool, so I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. You know, like everywhere you grow up, you learn the local history and everything, stuff like that. So the native tribes up there are a lot different than um, what a majority of America would have seen in like the Western movies, right? Plains Indians travel, whatever. The uh, P&W Indian tribes, they stay in the same place year-round. But one of the ways that when the whites ended up pushing up in the P&W, one of the ways that they used to describe the salmon runs is when it's in full run, you could walk across oh, the surface of the river That's Alaska. and not touch the ground because there's so many salmon back then. Mm-hmm. That's Alaska. Yeah, and when you think of that, like, uh, kind of like, okay, so we've both been to Africa, right? So when you think of that much game and the abundance that it was, it's like, what the heck? Like... You're completely surrounded and you feel the
1: wild. hundred percent. I mean, I often, you know, when I'm driving down to Portland and I dump dump into you know on ninety seven down into uh Biggs Junction there, it's like, man, I wonder what the Columbia looked like before we dammed it all up. You know, like how cool of a how deep of a canyon that really was and like what it really looked like. It was yeah. you know, seeing the pictures of it and stuff, like the Salilo tribe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and then fishing fish off the stuff. banks. Yeah, it's yeah. like really cool,
2: really cool. <laughs> you, guys are, you guys look lost. <laughs> but yeah, no, the... Uh, like those, they don't uh-huh. give a shit about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, I don't know, it's just kind of fascinating when you think about it, though. And I think you take for granted about the the changes that we've wrought on the land, especially in, the, in America. And then when you go to these other countries that are, you know, as far as people being there are far older... But do not have the uh, the have not had the capability of advancement and um, changing the landscape to their benefit like we have done in America, conquering it you know the Western way I guess um, it's kind of bananas to think about. It is. Like, it really is. It it absolutely is. is. Even coming here, like, can you imagine
1: navigating through this stuff? for days and days and days and just being like man i'm gonna keep going east
0: what's cool about out east this is what i remember when i was at like a uh, advanced course during cyber school at quantico it's all the uh the burial grounds
1: yeah uh, for just sure. like
0: just like bumping into uh, them just out on, of nowhere. just like bumping into the mud patrol and mm-hmm. you're like "Do we set up here <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, right. Not a good idea.
0: Yeah. No. Not just like in there like of like, you know, 12 to 20 people, right, of of these little small little burial grounds.
2: Well, so like growing up on the West Coast, everything's just more spread out. Come over here to the East Coast like I have been this last super year. Super compressed. It's, it is super compressed, even the on-ramps and off-ramps. But the thing, like my dad's a huge history buff, so I grew up with that. So, coming out here the a majority of the u s history is here, so now i'm in Richmond, Virginia now i 'm driving past the Booker T Washington site um, went to thomas jefferson's house and all the civil war battlefields and i'm looking around like this is this is a lot closer to each other than you know I had imagined in my head, and uh it's like i didn't fully comprehend that Richmond, Virginia, the capital of the confederacy. Three hours drive, right from Washington D.C. Yeah, pretty wild. Like, yeah, yeah, and and it's just bananas.
1: Yeah, well, I I grew up um right uh right on basically the confluence of the Niagara River on Lake Ontario, mm-hmm. and so that was where um a lot of the French and Indian War was fought, mm-hmm. like literally in my hometown. There's still the, there's the still Mohawk Homes. tribes up there. Yep mohawks and senecas um and uh like there's still homes there that were built in like 1812 and they have placards on them that they survived the british coming through and setting everything on fire yeah Yeah. there was the houses i mean like they'll have placards on them historical historical placards that say hey this house was built in 1795 and it's still standing yeah this house was built in 1802 right and uh, there's historical markers like, hey, this was the Battle of Bloody Run, um, where this happened that and Fort Niagara was a major strategic uh strategic fort to control the Niagara River in the war in both the French and Indian War and then the War of 1812. Yeah. And so a lot of that shit was fought right in that point right there because they needed to control the shipping lanes of the Niagara River into Lake Ontario that would then allow people to conduct trade up
2: through Eastern Lake Ontario, up into like St. George and stuff like that. The one thing I thought was wild was, and this is totally off topic from, I guess, what we all do as a profession, but um, the Mohawk tribe, two facts that I thought was interesting is Mohawk actually means cannibal and whites thought they were cannibals, but they weren't. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where, and they had that haircut. So that's why we all know it as a Mohawk haircut. The other thing is, the Mohawk tribe during that time, along with a lot of tribes up and down the East Coast, had a, uh, a treaty of confederacy between them, of free trade and everything. <clears throat> that treaty was actually the, um, the format, if you will, the foundation of how we structured our U.S. Constitution. And it was from that and the success that was seen between those relationships that inspired a lot of how our U.S. Constitution um, it had to come out. from somewhere it had to come out it had right. to come from somewhere it had to
1: come from somewhere
2: and one of the coolest rooms i've ever been in like where i experienced the most reverence i've ever been in was in dc seeing the um u.s constitution like you're afraid to breathe too loudly for the fear that you might damage the thing
1: right or yeah in disrespecting yeah any way.
2: like just just breathe quietly walk yeah. softly look and walk away
1: yeah there's a lot of <laughs> history on the on the east coast for yeah. sure yeah. big time and
2: then the west is just young you yeah. know super young but I, I mean he grew up more west than he so Alaska's, not necessarily
0: Alaska's really young oh yeah and in, in in the young in the sense that it just hasn't been you know i shouldn't say destroyed by western civilization but i mean it's hard to right like it like anchorage is the biggest city mm-hmm. and um you know uh, there but there's plenty of opportunities especially you know now that i'm into hunting and 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 understanding the land that we have right and the land that
1: that's the last frontier yeah it
0: truly is it you really know is.
1: same um, thing with like northwest territories yeah. the yukon yeah northern british columbia yep, yep. um all those provinces, those Canadian provinces, um, those lands are wild. Yeah. I mean, it's literally like that's the last, that in Siberia yeah. and places like, you know, Tajikistan, Kurdistan, all that stand belt, right? From Nepal mm-hmm. going west. Um, I mean, like going to Nepal was and going up the Kumbu Valley, it's probably one of the most remote places I've ever been on the planet. Really? absolutely there's nothing in order for you to get from the nearest airport which is Lukla from Lukla to Everest base camp it's like a eight-day walk yeah and that's the only way you're getting there there's no roads right so you pass people right so uh there's this older gentleman that was on our expedition um and he developed the oxygen system uh, that we used to go do our skydives. And he developed this oxygen system because the climbing oxygen system, uh, it's called top-out arrow. It was, it, he determined it to be like insufficient, right? The, the regulars froze up all the time and caused people to, to, to die. And so he wanted to do it himself. And um, he's a British Royal Air Force officer, Ted. And, um, Ted was a mountain goat and he was about in his seventies when I met him and a uh, skydiver, um, mountaineer. And he was part of our drop zone crew as we started to work up the Kumu Valley with the ultimate destination of making a skydive at, um, the West col of Barunce, um, or the South col of Barunce rather. And, uh, but Ted was just such a wealth of knowledge. He's, I mean, a Billy goat, like, you don't talk about a Billy goat in the man in his early seventies, you think I, you think I went up that hill, that dude would have fucking smoked me. Right. Like truly a mountain man. So amazing, amazing guy taught me a ton. Um, but, uh, when we went there, he told me this story when we went to Sengboche airport right above, um, uh, right above, um, man, I'm having a brain fart right now. Singh Airport, right above Namchi Bazaar, and it's like twelve and a half thousand feet. And we stayed at this tea house, and that was where the airport was, where we were going to kind of base our operations. And and there was um, a toddler, a family up there that owned the tea house, and Ted was um, kind of bouncing this toddler on his knee, and he said, um, "I've been coming up here every year for the last you know five years or more, and I remember when they got married." I remember the year that I came when she was pregnant. I remember the year that I came and she was a baby. And, you know, and he goes, You have to understand that these people will never see anything other than this. Yeah. Like all of the stone huts that we would hike by, all of the people that live on the mountain and up the valley, they will never see anything other than that their whole lives. Like they will be born there, they will be raised there, they will live there, and they will die there. They will not see what you and I have seen. They will not see what the four of us have seen. And that's just tremendous perspective when you come yeah. to seeing how remote it really is. And you're back there and you're just like, dude, this is an eight day walk. And the, I mean, there are helicopters that fly up and down all the time, but like it's remote. Right over on the other side of Pumori is China. Like you can see it from Everest Base Camp. You can see the ridge and just like right on the top, on the other side of that ridge is China.
2: The only thing I experienced like that was on the. <clears throat> The DMZ, North and South Korea, and sure. we walked off base because you can go get food there, and you walk up the, this little hillside, climb up to the top, and the only reason for us to go there is because you get the elevation to look across the trees to see the North Korean flag, and you're like, well, this is close closest I'll ever get to it's it. It's probably pretty surreal. It's, it's wild because yeah. up until that point, you only ever see that flag. In like on TV and internet, looking at it, stuff stuff, like that, and there, there it is, just flying, and it reminds you like, there's like a million mines just twenty yards away, right, everywhere. Like this whole place is rigged, everything, and uh, we're just do 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 do, you know, doing our thing right next to it all. But well, we're
1: here in Franklin County, Virginia, where it is the moonshine capital of. America, if I'm not mistaken, at Pig River.
0: I have it. Have you had moonshine Sean, since you've been here? Since I've been here, did you did you have it last year?
1: I don't think. No, Josh gave it. Josh, Josh or gave us. A, Josh
0: and Mike Dotson gave it to us. I think the first year they were here, mm-hmm.
1: it was apricot. Yeah.
0: Oh was, yeah, that's right. It that's was right. killer. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was good. really
1: good. Um, I'm super. I'm I'm super stoked that this has been like a, a tradition you know now that we're at four, our fourth year here it's a, it's it's a tradition and celebrating celebrating the marine corps birthday has become a tradition here yeah it was really cool. and it's cool to invite people and say hey um if you're a marine come celebrate with us yeah. right come celebrate with us because we're going to do the thing and um it's cool
2: yeah not to get all like cheesy and overly marine but that was the first time I celebrated since I got out of the Marine Corps really sure and as um, the messages were being read by you and Brian like we got chills multiple times sure and I, in my mind I was like I understand why but also there's this why like we're just standing here reading and in the reality of it but the um, the other side of that is well, if you're if you're a Marine, not just by title, but in action, it's gonna make you feel something.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah, it's like it's the yeah, it's a total cult.
2: It's, <laughs> it's an absolute cult, right? Uh, we're
1: we're like one of the the only organizations out there that celebrates our birthday with such reverence.
2: Yeah, Marines take our cake seriously. Fucking <laughs> yeah, get a sword. a pretty, All right, it's pretty so. big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. absolutely. But and you guys added a new curriculum. We did.
1: Um, coming out here was, uh, this year we did, um, an intro to Precision Rifle, which was really cool because, uh, not only did we have a full class, but we also had some really good weather. It only kind of, it pissed on us a little bit on Friday, but other bad. than that, you know, it wasn't that bad, but. And we had some help. We had a, a ton a more, of help. More, most importantly, I think,
0: Ryan, when you were out here last year, you were kind of just feeling it out, and so you were kind of going through the class to see how we did business. But just you know, kind of you mostly were, AIing, yeah, you AI. But but this class we had, you know, three main instructors, all three of us, and then and then James Woziter, one of our riflemen, and then John, um, who we have yet to introduce uh, introduced. But I think a lot of our, I think a lot of our audience would probably know who John is for
1: sure,
0: absolutely. Um. So, um, yeah, thank huge thanks to you and James for coming out and, and helping us out this week. Um, it, it created an awesome experience. And I like what you said, Kalen, in the beginning of the class, because uh, maybe you've said it in other classes before, but I think it's the first time that I've heard you say it in one of our in-person classes about how, like, hey, this is not just a class for us anymore, for a class for you guys. It's like we want this to be an experience.
1: That was right? the first time I've called this an experience because i've had like pointed thoughts about it you know it is an experience for our students it's not just a um like you're gonna come here and i'm gonna tell you what's what no like you're here to come hang out and shoot with like-minded individuals for four days and learn stuff while you're doing it
2: It was kind of surreal for me to hear you say that that first day because last week, well, it's been a little week now, so like a week and a half ago, I had a conversation with a friend and I told him of an idea, something I would love to pursue in the future, which is like like a getaway retreat type thing for guys to learn shooting and that already puts you in a position of vulnerability because now you're saying, I don't know this thing, I want to learn this thing. But it also is something I wanted to add into it was like bring in professionals um, who talk about our the I don't know how to, I don't know the right words for this so I'm just gonna be very um, barney style but talk about how our body responds to traumatic events talk about how our mind responds to it talk about the how to maintain and um, do work on ourselves both mentally and emotionally so that <clears throat> men know those things because i would say a, a large part of the male population i'm just going to speak for the u.s in the u.s don't seek nor get exposed to the verbiage they need to be able to explain the things they feel yep. so it just comes out as anger and i it's would a, love to do a ret- it yeah. it's happening yeah yeah and i would love to do something like that but the advice i was given is do as much of that as you can in the classes you already have, and that will grow from there. Don't just think, "Oh, I don't have the resources to set out to do this 100 now." Just That's, grow it. That was the beginning, you know, of modern day sniper
1: with a with modern day sniper with uh, mindfulness behind the rifle. Yeah, and that was the that was the thing. It was just like. When we started this, it was just kind of like us, you know, scratching the surface or hitting the wave tops of understanding what some of those points that you're mentioning are, and then you know, learning more and more about it, and then applying those through applying those concepts, um, gingerly, if you will, right? Gingerly. Yeah, you don't want to
2: sprinkle it too hard because some g- it, knowing guys it turns right? people away, right? You're yeah, yeah, just yeah. like,
1: oh, what do you guys, you know this is what the hell is this i didn't you know this isn't what i want I to
2: show it for tie-dye right? shirts show. and weird drum dances
1: and it doesn't even have to be that way yeah. right it's not that way at all um but it's more along the lines of an experience and you know like-minded individuals coming together and 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 having fun you know for a few days and learning some new stuff and then coming away from that with more skills Having more confidence in themselves, feeling better about themselves, right? Through through accomplishment. And that's badass. Like that's what people need. They need to break up that norm. And I think that it's important for us to look at that in the sense of like, yeah, we take this for granted as we do this every day. Sometimes the students that we get, like, they might get a chance to shoot like once every two months.
2: You know, Shitty, maybe you know, I'm just throwing that.
1: a number out there, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's like they might like we take it for granted, but but we don't live the same lifestyle as other yeah. people. Like I was trying to explain that to people today. It's this is a lifestyle. Yeah. Like this is not just um, you know, like I used the wrong term today. You know, I i, I used the term like, hey, I allowed this to define who I was. And I knew you did like, say that as up, soon as I, I said keep, that I, keep I in. said, that was not the right word to use, yeah, right? I, I it wasn't the right it was word little, to use. Yeah. And who, who picked up on it immediately? Yeah, yeah. Homeboy in the front row, right? He picked up on it immediately. He's just like, you don't let your job define you. But that's when I also looked at, and, and as soon as he said that, I thought about that, and I was like, well, let's break that down a little bit more. Um, this is not just a job. This is a lifestyle, right? This is what you do. Right. Every one of us as as professional firearms instructors. In order for you to maintain relevancy in your in your craft, you, this is a lifestyle.
2: Me and Phil had an interesting conversation <laughs> going to the gas station today. Uh, relevancy, maintaining relevancy. And I mentioned, I was like, if you're trying to maintain your relevancy, you're already behind the yeah, curve. Behind the, you have to make yeah. sure that you are That's ahead. a fair statement. Yeah. That's 100%. a very fair statement. Yeah. And, and as I soon appreciate as, that point of view. As soon
0: as he said that, I was like, Whoa. that was fucking, I um, was like, great. That, that was perfect. perfect. It, it, Like, he couldn't have said it any better, right? That was a
1: well-made um, statement.
0: Yeah. So. No, that's good. And, and, and uh, you know... I just had lost my Yeah,
2: you're, you're behind the power curve. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's, curve, that's yeah. another reason why, like, I wanted to – well, I told you today. Like, I, I try to make sure to go down to other instructors, participate in classes, take classes. Like, yeah, professional firearms instructor. And, I mean, Phil and I talked about this again today, too, is uh, pistol, carbine, and long gun and everything. Um, and it matters very, very much to me to be the best instructor I can possibly be and to learn from all of those. But you know it's true. You'll never be um, the best in each in any specific discipline if you're doing that. But if I can give you knowledge that a long-range instructor can't give you, that comes from pistol. To me, meaning finding a parallel between the two disciplines. Yeah. So yeah. like how I index on a carbine is going to be different than a long gun. But I often like and I from. Floating your thumb, just to give an example, from floating your thumb to wrapped on a long gun. One day I was like, okay, I do that for different reasons for long gun. Is there something like that for pistol? Is there anything that I would change based off the shot? So I started playing around and I found something that works really well with a pistol by altering one thing to achieve something different. And I was like, if I keep doing that, just flip it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You learn more and more and you can apply. And now I can use... Different methods to uh, to relay that information to other shooters. So you get a lot of uh, you're your speaking a like, different language. Yeah, you're, I'm speaking. You're,
1: I'm you're speaking in multiple dialects. That's yeah. To to get your point across, yeah. and you're doing that through going okay, like this A B testing, you know, A B testing, A B testing, A B testing, A B testing, right? So yeah, and that's the mark of someone who's like constantly trying to crack the code the problem is when you do it to yourself and you overanalyze your own self we (laughs) all do that yeah i think that's a normal human occurrence i mean we're always we're always concerned with making sure that we give our students the best experience possible yeah right i think that's huge where does that fear
0: come from though where does that What is that fear or I shouldn't say insecurity, but like. It is an insecurity. Well, Well, what is a recognition of like, okay, like, hey, I'm potentially shortcoming my students with this information or this curriculum or the way that I am, you know, presenting this information. Like where does that start to creep in the back? Cause I know I've, I've been in that situation. I've been in the same exact situation that, you know, uh, Ryan was this, this morning where it's like, it's like, I'm not teaching enough. I'm not hitting the right waves with these guys. They look bored, mm-hmm. right? And I'm just not
1: getting the
2: You uh, uh, see react-
1: the student that you were when you were a kid. There's many things. I think there's a lot of things that are going on in that stuff and, yeah. and like, there's a lot of layers there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, did you have problems in school learning or just being engaged? All my teachers, there was only a couple of teachers that I had were worth a shit. What
0: about you? No, I mean, I was a straight A
2: student. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Ryan? What about you? (laughs) Ryan, what about you? It doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. So
1: me, I was... <laughs> clearly not, Ryan is... Clearly Ryan does not want to be a part of this conversation.
2: <laughs> Ryan got a G. I don't know what
3: to say. I'm just kind of like listening. But that's fine. Just, yeah,
2: so it's fun. Like I'm it. right so exhausted right now. So me, I had problems um, being engaged in school. Like me too. I, I yeah, never had a problem really. learning. I never had a problem with things other than math. I don't math. But that's one thing I always think about when I'm teaching is like I need... And I told him this in a manner of speaking. is like, you need to... Poke and prod them to engage back with you because you're reflecting the energy they're giving you. Yep. That's a hard
1: That's very true. Absolutely. Because if you're if you're energetic and you're showing up with 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 your own power and your own energy, the students are gonna feed off of that and it's just gonna be a reciprocating mass, right, of of energetic exchange.
2: I'll uh, I'll often call them out, like you guys are a little more early morning reticence, is quoting to me, it's quoting one of my favorite movies, but it's, I'm basically saying no. Oh, they're quiet and they're not engaging. So then I'll get to a point where, say I cover grip, go over grip. All right, you guys are asking me three questions, and I'm not moving on until I get my three questions. So I, I get them thinking, I make them wake up, get them engaged, yeah. um, stuff like that. <clears throat> and uh, like, like yeah, I'll just poke and prod to get them, get them engaged. Like this is a two way thing. I want to learn from you too. Um, I, the last class I had a uh, the Marine Corps reserve staff sergeant <clears throat> and he was telling me I think he was tracks but they use, when they refer to a target they use the term form so no matter what that target is say tanks bmp's whatever if they have to say come a half form it's the same measurement because they're talking about that one target so half of that target cuz i had recently talked about doing a mill versus moa versus bdc video and um, how do you talk different optics and different reticles onto the same target? And he's like, well, we use this. I was like, I'd never heard that. That's, a, that's an interesting thing to think about. Well, I learned for using It's
1: an argument for using, like, a target width or a half a target width. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah.
2: like, basically, like, um, you know, a little bit more detailed Kentucky windage. Exactly, right. <laughs> and I, was, I told him, I told the whole class, I was like, I never would have learned that if you didn't engage back.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we're always in that situation because we care about, I think to answer your question, right? Like, where does that come from? Well, um, it comes from not wanting to get it wrong, right? It comes from, it comes from a place of perfectionism, um, which not, which isn't always healthy, right? It's not always a healthy thing. Um, but it depends on how you look at it. Like the way that you were looking at it today, you wanted everything to be absolutely perfect, which is fantastic. But at the same time, there needs to be a balance of, of saying, Hey, uh, this is the way that we've structured this information and the delivery of this information. And I'm confident in the methods with which we deliver the information. And so we're just going to continue to roll with that, with that plan. And everything changes right you even made a comment you were like hey yeah you didn't you didn't you taught something different last time i i listened to you it's like well yeah man if i'm like i'm trying to learn things and i'm not always going to get it right I'm, and if i'm not um i'm just i'm always looking for new ways of explaining things to people and so like the trigger control stuff like yeah i used to tell people to try to to try to to try to press the trigger when they wanted to you, you know once they've determined that they can have the appropriate sight picture to make that happen, press the trigger now. Like, you hit the bottom of that breath, press the fucking trigger. Like, stop trying to milk it, you know? Because I noticed that, like, students would get paralysis by analysis. They're overanalyzing the aiming process. And so by doing that, they're applying, like, incremental pressure, and then by that time, the brain is freaking the freak out and going... (laughs) It needs to happen right now. And then they start crushing triggers, right? But instead, like, know it's going to happen. Like my mindset was, know that it's going to happen. Understand your trigger well enough to know that once you apply this pressure, it's going to go. Right? And aim. Aim first. Identify the aiming is good. We don't have to hang out there anymore. And now breathe in, breathe out, and, like, get that shit done.
2: Trust your side picture. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's not, always, and you know, that's not always the right way. And the, the trigger control is a subconscious mindset. Like you asked me about the, like what I thought about the whole Joel Turner thought process. Yeah, yeah, I think that trigger control is a subconscious execution. The reason I think that is if you guys did a ball and dummy drill with me tomorrow, gave me 50 rounds and 20 of them were going to be dead chambers... Every single press would be exactly the same, yeah. because that trigger control—it's a subconscious execution for me.
0: So, what is your? What, but so, but, but but what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts before
2: are, this is it. where
0: I agree with Joe. Yeah, yeah. This right? is this. What are your final thoughts? Where's your
2: focus on? Where's where the point?
1: focus before the shot happens? So, for me, the focus before the shot happens is once I've de- once I've determined that the sight picture is acceptable for that particular
0: shot. Which is which, which in, in, in layman's terms is acceptable wobble zone. Yep, acceptable wobble like, zone, right? My, my wobble zone is the best that I can be at this point in time based off my position, Correct. based off the size of the target, right. based off my time and opportunity.
1: Mm-hmm. Now I'm ready to press the trigger. Right. So your thoughts are? My thoughts are once I see the acceptable side picture, I say, there it is, like to myself, that's the initiating motion that's your command Execute. that's my command by doing that that's your you're telling your now once that statement is made you're telling your subconscious to to execute but no but based upon the stimulus that
0: you're seeing but are you is it your subconscious at that point that's pulling the trigger or is it your conscious thought of okay i know my trigger press no i know i'm ready to execute
1: my firing process now apply pressure. That's what Joel Turner describes as being open loop versus closed loop. Um, open loop means that you allow your you allow your brain, your subconscious mind, and 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 as I've heard him explain it, um I bought his master class, like I, I listened to it. I wanted to hear what he had to say. Um, and I agree with with probably most of the things that he says. But the whole thought process, like I have deter, I have known that the trigger press that I'm about to experience is gonna result in recoil. Like, and it's only because of my own ineptitude of of not putting powder in a case during the hand loading process that the primer ignites and you just literally get nothing. And the sight picture doesn't move. I'm not moving the gun right? Like I'm not. So in his, in Joel's thought process, that would be closed loop. Yeah. Meaning I am not allowing my, my subconscious mind to take over because if the subconscious mind takes over his thought process is, is that you can't defeat the fact that the brain knows that it's about to experience an impact or a concussion from a muzzle blast. And so in his mindset that you can't, his thought process is that you can't train that out of someone. It's physiologically impossible to train it out of someone. Yeah. So in order to combat that, you have to stay focused on the present moment. Perhaps I'm doing that through another method, but that trigger is working. I'm not thinking about that. Like I am looking at where I want that bullet to go. And the trigger is the, 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 the pressure on the trigger is being executed after i tell it that it is okay to
2: do so it's keeping so focused you have a forced sensory exclusion so th- if you think about like hunters right Don- they don't shoot with ear pro they dump around in the animal they need and a lot of them don't remember the sound of the shot because totally. they have oh, yeah. and, and, yeah. and i
0: always i always loved to hear this when i was hunting it's like i don't feel the recoil Right, like, I don't, <laughs> but, I don't feel recoil when I'm when shooting
1: it. So an animal. That, that's a totally other topic. That's a totally. But, t- yeah, 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 Doesn't but, matter whether yeah, you feel it or yeah. not.
2: It still happened. Yeah, it still like, happened. Yeah. My yeah. point is, you're focusing on that thing so much that you're not, you don't recognize that thing happening. And the thing I think about it is the closed loop versus open loop, or your method, or your method, or mine. And as you're talking, I, I came to realize a lot of shots I take. I remember my sight picture, but I don't remember my trigger press, sure. because second nature reflex. It's become a thing that's become subconscious because we do it so much, and that only comes through experience. But the um, the thought processes different people have are going to be different depending on the way their own mind
1: works. Well, Joel's argument is that hey, we ran this down with like neuroscience, like yeah. he he consulted with neuroscientists and and went into all of the aspects of how the brain processes visual stimulus mm-hmm. into you know through the ocular nerve and into the prefrontal cortex and cuz we we do know that that the conscious mind receives the stimulus of the senses right the conscious mind is aware of the environment so the conscious mind is picking up hey it's hot outside hey it's windy outside hey like there's the target right there I've aimed the rifle. property. That's the conscious mind. That's the conscious mind. So your thoughts, right? The subconscious mind, you know, the the, the cliché. Muscle memory. Well, yeah, muscle memory is a great cliché, right? But then there's the other one like, um, you know, amateurs train until Until they get it right. Get it right. Until they can't get it wrong. Professionals professionals train until they can't get get it wrong. So what that adage is saying is that professionals train until the action is subconscious because if it's subconscious you can't get it wrong the subconscious mind is capable of billions of thought processes at one time whereas the conscious mind is only capable of one if you're thinking about something positive you can't simultaneously think about something negative right you can think and feel the opposite though yeah, you absolutely can and that's that's self-image make that distinction so that's self-image though yeah that has to do with the your interpretation of your ego yeah that's the self-image you should probably come hang out with us in december and go through um with winning in mind we're going to do a book club review on the book called with winning in mind it okay. was written by lanny basham multi gold oh. medalist um In shooting in the 70s oh Okay. and now he now he basically he teaches nothing but his mental management process to olympic level athletes collegiate level athletes golfers pga tour type stuff and uh, business executives so it sounds
2: like a date to me it's a thought process
1: right it's a it's a it's a mental management like hey i've got gremlins running around up in this bitch and Always. I need to fucking subdue them. I'm over here bastards. watering them. <laughs> right, exactly.
2: Watering you are watering your gremlins. <laughs> you're today. Hey, if you're on the line
1: tomorrow and we see you with a face, you're stop shaking your head, your dude. Like I water my fucking gremlins all the time, <laughs> but I know that I do it. Yeah, I just know that I do it. And I'm like, I'm okay with the fact that I water my fucking gremlins. There's one thing I realized today is
2: like, uh, so when Phil the other day, uh, other Phil, um, dude, that's the fuck you just. You know what I'm getting to watering the gremlins it's yeah. got to be a fucking t-shirt yeah that's uh do that for your pictionary game <laughs> yeah water, don't water, water the gremlins. Your gremlins yeah i'm gonna make it don't a patch. water the gremlins uh but the other day when we were at dinner and um phil the our, their student that you had and he was talking about uh you know that experience when he's doing the work he was doing and he felt like it was just right that yeah that that's and what that it was flow being. State. and i was like tell me Tell me what that feels like. Explain that to me. And basically, it just came down to flow state. Like, things were flowing through. <clears throat> and I started to think about that because... Um, the, after the past year or so that I've had, right? Uh, thinking about, okay, I don't have purpose. But right now, my purpose is to find it, and that's okay. Um, thinking about all the times I've instructed. And when I get to my classes, when I get in front of shooters and I'm teaching... Nothing else is on my mind. Nothing else is on my emotion. I am in that class. There is nothing else that exists to me besides that. And when I stepped up in front of the the students today, we were talking talking to them about slings. I was there for like five minutes. In that five minutes, the world just fell away. And realizing that, and it happened the other day when I was going over some tripod stuff with some shooters for the positional. And uh, thinking back to the past year when I was, like, at the worst I was feeling and I was in front of students where going from talking to and being okay to turning and writing on a whiteboard for a minute and all that rushes back for split seconds and it feels terrible to coming back and talking. But, oh, I can relate are, to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's really, really difficult. But those are also the times where I got the best reviews. And... Well, you're being yourself at well, that point. Yeah, well, because yeah, I have nothing Unadulterated. else. In, there's no ego to protect the shadow because it's just all out, especially when you're in that kind of place. But the, uh, the thing that it made me think was flow state. That's where things seem to go flow naturally for me, where everything is going the way I feel right should go for me. I used to do that
1: um, when I first got my instrument rating. In, I would oh, fly I flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and okay. so I would purposefully go up to um to Seattle on shitty weather days and I would plan a flight plan, right? I'd figure out Hey, I want to go here, I want to go here, I want to go here and I would intentionally fly single pilot IFR in Seattle airspace. I remember you saying that day, yeah. And it was the reason that I wanted to do that was it was truly an escape from fucking everything like you do, like for an hour and a half you're you're owned by air traffic control right so you're in the present moment with everything and i'm sure that there's many pilots out there that have tens of thousands of hours more experience than i do and that's cool but um like talking to skydivers um you know skydiving instructors they're just like yeah man i'm like sometimes i'm thinking about the bills when i'm when i'm about ready to open my parachute and shit I'm not fucking there yet, right? So <laughs> no. I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> and the me, bottle? you know, a couple hundred flight hours is not there yet. I mean, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't made that a subconscious execution yet. So for me, I'm still able to go into that process or into that uh, experience and sink my total being into it and, and not allow not allow any external thoughts to come in so you are operating in the flow state and so by the time the flight's over with and you land and you taxi and you you know you you taxi to your fbo and you shut the airplane down it's just like
2: well cool all right well that just happened but now you're back to the real world now you got to go back to the and real now world. you got that weight back on you that's right. kind of how i felt when i got back from africa i was like okay i feel it back on me i was lighter, definitely but uh definitely felt it back on.
1: When we do these things it's um I feel I feel like we're blessed with a tremendous opportunity to make to make impact on people's lives. Like a lot of people, you know, at first I used to look at it and be like, "Oh, I'm a shooting instructor." No, no we actually make an impact on people's lives
2: when we hang out with them and 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 just talk with them. We can't take it for granted. Let's uh this is our daily job. This yep. is their one time life experience most likely.
1: Yeah. Or or like an annual experience. You know, I I mean, I tremendously respect the amount of money that people have to spend to come spend time at a class with us. It's several times more
2: than the tuition. It's funny cuz I heard the the PHs in Africa say the same thing. Like this is what I do every day, and whoever comes out here, this is probably the only time they'll ever be able to. Yep. And they have to, they've saved probably a majority of they're, their life. Yeah, their so adult lives. I yep. can't take that for granted. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's like you say too, you got to pinch yourself and recognize, like, I, sh- I shoot long guns every day. I, I get to. I get to. I get to. I get to shoot long guns every day, you're right. Um, but these guys, like I get a lot of students that have never shot past 75 yards. And then day two, they hit eight hundred to a grand. And they're like, "What the heck?" And they hear that ring, and that smile comes across their face, and they're like, "I gotta do this all the time."
0: <laughs> uh, one of our students yesterday at lunch, uh, he uh, he's doing both classes, so he did our intro class. had had um, had nothing going on, so he's like, "Hey, can I help you set up steel for you know our day right. off?" So we set up steel for scope carving yesterday. Saturday and uh as soon as you guys left it was me Kalen and him and yes there's a really great question that still has me pondering right the the correct answer to the question is uh when did the hobby turn into a job oh man remember that right and, and then like and, a, and, I, and I, yeah and honestly you answered I didn't completely answer my like give my full answer because I'm still thinking about it now.
2: I've never thought about that.
0: I mean, and like I appreciate him because he respects the the amount of work that has gone into creating modern day sniper, creating curriculum, create you know marketing, and again you know and wearing learning. and wearing multiple hats, right in such a small team, um, and so you know. Um, like for him because like you know for, for someone like him you know that asks a question like this is technically also what he does mm-hmm. right for a living. Yep. He just you happens know, to do it um, a law enforcement. The the, the the difference is like you know like he does it in a sense that like you know this is what is prescribed to him and his duties as a you know um, you know team member right in his unit right so like whether he does his job really well or not
1: like he's gonna get a paycheck it's a it's such a great question and just for me personally um he uses his rifle you know as a profession to um you know protect the people of his of his county and of his state right um I use my skills um as a hunter Right. And when I'm not teaching people how to do this, I'm using them as a hunter. And so for me, like this past season, I got a chance to immerse myself into the wilderness where I feel like I do some of my best work, like on myself. Right. It's the closest that I feel to my creator. It's where I feel the most connected. Yeah, for sure. But the, that rifle is just a tool to. It's a meat it's like a means to an end. You know, so like I got to use that rifle twice on that, on that trip. And all of the skills that we teach our students came into, you know, a culminating moment twice on that trip, you know, and one, you know, one shot was relatively technical i mean it was long shot trying to well not long shot it was like 440 yards but you're shooting through timber and you're shooting through like you're trying to make sure that oh if he comes out here i don't know if i'm going to be able to get through that shit. i need to go over here to get a better angle and so like you i move like eight times in 15 minutes it's to a try live to figure shot out, unknown changing yeah conditions. it's a live shot and unknown changing conditions with an animal just to be an animal right and bears move a lot more than deer do. Like bears are constantly in motion. Whereas a deer, you know, I've seen deer stand in one spot looking at one thing for an hour, you know? So, so got to, I mean, that was a technical scenario, right? Um, And then later, you know, shooting that deer, that was, the deer was ridiculous, like (laughs) a hundred yards away and um, you know, a snapshot type thing so but different skills applied to each different scenario but i was like my job then became part of my hobby while i was hunting for that week right like my hobby was hunt my hobby's hunting but the means to an end for hunting is using a rifle or or a weapon efficiently whether it's a bow whether it's a crossbow or rifle whatever muzzleloader shotgun whatever So,
0: so uh, well, you can slip uh, 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 into it. Well, I, well, hold on. I guess I, I, I I should say I disagree in the sense, but like, I I think, I think in that point, I would say that your hobby is shooting that happens to feed your purpose of being a hunter.
1: Okay. All right.
0: Right. right, Right. Where, like, I think my disagreement with your statement comes with because. Like yes, I know you are a hunter, but primarily because this is like you than said, you said like I'm unemployable, because this is your, <laughs> this is your life, right? Like, I don't know like I you put you your 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 life, yeah, your life, <laughs> like your life is truly training people the art of precision rifle. Like your ability to teach, like it, the, the conversation that Ryan and I have all have all the time. Not to again like blow smoke up your ass or like no homo, you know, but like I've seen a lot of people teach precision rifle and you have truly perfected the art of teaching somebody how to run a precision rifle, right? From not only a technical aspect, but uh, a fundamental aspect in terms of like blending the art and science, right? In terms of like teaching someone like certain ballistics and being able to have actually apply the concepts of fundamentalist martianship. And then again, going back to the mindfulness piece, you write right, the whole kind of three part package that we teach at Modern Day Sniper. I'm know? a huge so,
1: boot in the mindfulness aspect, though.
0: Yeah. I'm a big time
2: boot.
0: You're a boot in it compared to like let's say someone that actually applies it all the time, like Cassandra, where, where you got it from. But like I think even in our space in general, like you, we you you're looked at as the expert. Yeah, right? you are looked at as the expert because you know I know for a fact other instructors in this space are not talking the mindfulness aspect as much as we are.
1: Right? Yeah, and and I wouldn't be if it didn't if it didn't yeah, it, if it didn't help. Like if it didn't help develop, um, if it didn't help develop me as a teacher and it just didn't, it wasn't always there either. Right. It wasn't always there. And it really wasn't there until, um, until I met my wife, right. Until I met Cass and it was just a totally different, that's like the ultimate fucking dichotomy right there. Like, uh, juxtaposition, you've said juxtaposition juxtaposition four times in the last,
0: during the trip. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why, is, why does that stand out? It's
1: not a thing. It just means that that, that, that word is... You're, you're thinking about that word and about the meaning of that word. And then... So by using, thinking about it in your subconscious, then you're going to utilize it in, in ways to describe situations to, to other people. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, Cassandra is the ultimate, you know, paradox, right? Mm-hmm. With me and Cassandra, like, dude's marine, gunfighter, you know, hunter... Mm. And yeah, 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 here's yeah. this, here's this, this, this hippie that is, you know, uh, completely opposite, like literally 180 degrees. If it couldn't yeah, be exactly. any more 180, you know, and now the crazy thing is, is she's just like, I totally understand. Ex- I totally understand where you're coming from now when, with the standpoint of, of firearms. Yeah. And she didn't before at all. Right. She didn't before at all and she doesn't really she's like i can see how this is um i can see how really really important this is to being an american mm-hmm. and it's just cool right it's yeah. it's cool when when somebody like that is goes i had this completely opposing view and then through experience with individuals that are being you know responsible that are Focus on educating people to be responsible and then seeing really what firearm ownership is all about like it's a fundamental core right that you have right to be able to use that tool to uh to defend life liberty and property and so like for her to have that change of view is is profound you know and it just shows that um that the perspective that you have is indeed open to change if you are willing to to allow new information to be presented to you and to see things through a different lens. Set your ego aside. You can't set I, I, your ego I, aside. I say, I, I, I'm talking to like shallow area. Say. You know what I mean, but, but you can't you say like step I think people, outside of
2: your own perspective.
1: For sure, yeah. yeah. Step outside of your own that, perspective. That probably is more. And accurate the reason that, that. that stepping outside your own perspective is hard because it's scared, and that's where the ego comes into play because the ego is there to protect us. Yes. The ego is there to protect. Um, and make sure that uh, that we stay safe. Through decision making and um, our view of what's right and what's wrong. You can't ever leave your ego aside, but what you can do is become friends with
2: what causes your ego to overreact. I guess I could have said set your arrogance aside. But the uh, two things that I think are really interesting is I got a close friend of mine. He's an army captain, and he talks to, he's been doing this for years, and he's also a theologian. He talks to a therapist every week this therapist, he didn't like firearms. So when my buddy's talking to him about the emotional aspect that uh, he had started to tap into and then he came to my class and I opened it up more for him then he started going further in. He started talking to his therapist about it and he's telling me all this. He's like, he told him to listen to a podcast I did where it's where I first opened up about what was going on with me this past year. <clears throat> and then he, this therapist told him, was like, I get it, I understand now the emotional connection that you can have with uh, firearms because it's really just, it's about your emotional connection to yourself and being able to actualize your emotions in a moment is the same way you have to actualize what's going on downrange, And the uh, <clears throat> unlocking that was i thought really cool and one thing that i think helped me with it is i took something you know learning about the shadow and everything and like you were just correcting me on ego i wrote a essentially what is the shadow aspect of myself as a firearms instructor as a teacher as someone who relays that knowledge probably many levels yeah so i was like all right well here's i started writing it down this is like a year ago i was like all right here's one thing i want to get better at here's one thing i want to get better at here's what on and on I suddenly have a, a freaking page filled filled and I was like okay now I'm not feeling so confident <laughs> right like holy crap these are all the things that I feel in. but then I looked at that and I was like if I flip that these are all the opportunities I have to go deeper into my passion sure and these are yeah, all the man. opportunities that I have to poke and prod and research and then relay as the teacher that I am, so that's what makes it important to go on to other instructors to talk, to conversate, to um, instructor development. Yeah, don't and, stay. And in And like instructor
1: chamber. development's not all just about shooting, right? No, it's, it's not. not all like, just about
2: the skills. It's about the communication, the curriculum, sure. the the um, <clears throat> how to. I guess kind of like comedians work a crowd. How to work your students to get the responses out of them that to get them engaged, to keep that command presence and keep their attention where it needs to be so they don't do anything, well, stupid or unsafe and so that they get the best experience possible so they are not their own worst enemy in their their class. Yeah,
1: so getting out of your own way is akin to identifying the fact that your shadow is holding you back from being in that moment, like what you were experiencing today. We all experience it, right? I experience it. Phil experiences John you do like we there all in classes do. I almost started crying and it's people's. like we have to be able to just recognize it I remember distinctly you and I were shooting together in an individual competition and I remember you were laying under the shade underneath the pickup truck it was hot as balls and I could tell that like you were fucking depleted and I go you good how you doing and you're like I'm not really good i'm <laughs> not really good uh, yeah. and we had a brief conversation and that's not the first time i've done that for you and and it's not right it's not the first time that you've done that for me and that's where we allow our shadows to fucking get stand in our way and put our put the hand in the chest and said no 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 you're not going anywhere until you fucking figure this shit out.
2: Address it or you have to carry it.
1: And I, and I also think it's
0: important to have somebody like that in your life that recognizes that in you, that allows, that knows the right words to to pull you out of it, right? Right, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. like even something as simple as that, like, hey, are you okay, right? Um, and, and I think too, because that came from such a place of um, genuine, right? Even over the even over the last weekend, right? Of of, of the PRS finale, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, if that came from somebody else, you know, I would immediately shut down or whatever the case might be, and like just like I'm not going to even deal with this right now,
1: right? Yeah,
2: um, yeah, like it, I don't have the yeah, I don't have I, the I'm bandwidth to deal to but with. But also, yeah. it could also be they haven't earned that place with you.
0: They haven't earned that place in me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: yeah. it's who you allow yeah. to know yeah. that part yeah. of you is a big deal because yeah. you could give that to the wrong person.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, true. Mm-hmm. True. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that's one thing that, again, you know, kind of tying it back to this, this previous class. And, I, and and because of how grown the modern rifle network is, this is the first time it's cool to see the after actions or the or the the reviews that have with regard to this course happened on the thread of the event of this course, right? So, reading in depth into you know Jason's and Joe's kind of after actions. Um, you know, one of the things that like it put me in a perspective is that we do that for our students, right? Like we give them that safe space of like being able to fail in front of us and not be humiliated. For sure, right? Sense of it, it, it is huge. I get,
2: yeah, I get told all the times like you're approachable, and I it baffles me every time. I think I told you guys that, but
1: I I raise a. So I had a, a an interesting scenario. This was years ago when I was teaching out. Um, I still was using Linda, North, Linda North's property um, during my Magpul days, and um, I had a guy show up to class. He's a doctor. He brought a Desert Tech, um, and every Desert Tech I've shot, by the way, is absolute laser. I make it yeah. a point to shoot every single one of them. All, they all shoot lights out. The few I've yeah. The so towards the end of the class, um, we had, we went out to dinner as a class, and then at the at the very end of the day somehow the topic of the debrief got into like did you feel intimidated or did you feel like um afraid right or or nervous right literally 70 percent of the classes hands went up and they were like i was nervous and that blew me away like it really took me aback and i was like what you were nervous why are you nervous? Like, I really want to know why you were nervous. Are you for real right now? Or are you just busting my balls? And they're like, no, man, I was nervous. I'm like, okay, let's break that apart. What do you, what, what was, what were you nervous about? Oh, everything from don't want to be that guy. Um, don't want to have equipment problems. Um, don't want to take away from the, the, the class. I don't want to have, basically it was, it, 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 at the bottom
2: line it was a fear of showing up it was a total fear of showing up it that sounds like f- so much that sounds like what a lot of us go through in grade school like we don't want to be the one with our hand always up. absolutely we don't want right? to be the one with absolutely. in the back get of the class with. it's the same you exact. get fucked with it's the inner child you. so once i understood that
1: and like i really took that to heart because if i asked people on day one you know if they were nervous Nobody would say anything because they're nervous, but because we, you know, spent a few days together and, um, people feel like more, more secure, they're able to talk more freely and say, dude, I was super nervous showing up here.
2: Well, you did and your job. Yeah.
1: I don't want that. And so what that told me was like, man, okay, I have to, sh- I have to really make it a point to understand that the majority of the people that are showing up to these events, they're nervous to be here. So take that into consideration when you approach them with regard to your level of patience. I don't think I've thought about that. And that's another reason why like, you know, sitting down instead of like standing like with this commanding presence, you know, we all do that from the military standpoint, right? We, we, we've been trained to to think that we have to show up and have this command presence, like i need to own this space mm-hmm. this motherfucking space is mine right now right i own this space and you will like you command respect that can be that can be healthy in certain situations when you need to get shit done but you also need to be able to 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 mediate that
2: tough and tender
1: and uh and to, and to understand when to turn it on and turn it off and like you guys are talking about like uh like, Ryan, you're just like, when you're committing genocide upon my people with, <laughs> with, with pigs, right? That was one of the things that um, my mentor as a teacher taught me. He said, show them that you are in their corner and that you want them to succeed, but also show them that they will pay through wicked punishment if you waste if, they're, if they waste your time, and I was just like, all right, that's legit, because if you, if you waste my time, now you're disrespecting my efforts to turn you into what I wish you to become. What they wish to become. For sure, right? I mean, they don't there. even know yet. They yeah, don't even yeah. know yet. They're like, they're just here and they're fucking terrified as well. like, I don't want to get dropped. Whatever I do, I don't want to get dropped. It's like, no, like, okay, when we're on the range, we're like, this is a very technical subject. This is something that you need to understand, and we're going to foster an environment where you can do so.
2: That's something that still happens, though, especially even with people who pay for classes. They come out, and then they just kind of... Oh,
1: yeah, people are just like, you didn't yell at me. And I'm like... Do you pay, do you normally pay people to yell (laughs) at you? It's like all those stupid bullshit. I've been seeing this stuff on, on Instagram. There's these stupid bullshit, like pretend I want to be a Navy SEAL weekends where they're on city streets and they're spraying them with water hoses and, and like screaming in their faces and telling their pieces of shit, making them do push-ups on city streets. And I'm just like, what are you doing? You guys are so fucked up you don't even understand what you're doing to yourselves right now yeah. like this is not the way we don't do that
2: like we don't yell at our students
1: and not, we don't, not at all like
2: you're here for an experience the only time i I, I don't get close to yelling, but if I see a continued um, s- safety is a different story well uh, yeah I'm, I'm trying to find the correct words if I see a continued pattern of unsafe behavior from an individual or individuals. I don't address, I address them one-on-one, um, quietly, but if I still see it, I will get the attention of the entire line and remind them all. And I, for sure, I don't, I wouldn't say I do it sternly, but I do it firmly. Um, and I think there's a very strong difference between the two of those. Um, so that the point is made clear that there's unsafe action going on and all of us are in charge of our safety. Um, but what I, one thing I, what I was getting at, though, is like you still see it in paid classes where uh, people waste time. They can come and then they show up and they don't pay attention, whether it be a safety thing or they uh, they're not applying what they've learned and they keep drawing on time. Um, well, so me, is it, is we it, talked
1: about that
0: recently. Is, yeah, so yeah, yeah let, me, let me ask you up. this. Is it is it them not paying attention or them not getting it or them not understanding? And I, And I think. I think it's just, obviously, as a teacher, being able to identify students that, again, are there, and they're like, oh, I've heard this before, or they're just kind of like, the, like their ego really, like, you know, is worn on their shoulder, on their sleeve, right, versus like, the other students were like, okay, like this clear, this person clearly is, um, I shouldn't say handicapped, but just learning at a slower pace. Yeah. Right. So, for instance, you know, this past week, they're not absorbing as quickly. We had three students that, that I would say two of them, mainly two of them, that, you know, the first time they've ever had like an actual introductory precision class probably really good at their jobs but like technically like because this is such a hands-on you know sport it took them a lot longer for them to pick up right so there was a lot more one-on-one with them you know that eventually like worked out really well toward the very end because they shot on the fourth day pretty well
2: Mm -hmm. i think i think but i never
0: ever felt that they were completely wasting time at least my time
1: no not at all yeah And, and so that's the other thing that you got to understand is like, if you tell students, Hey man, this is literally the bottom of the barrel and not the negative of sense of like the, the, the shit at the bottom of the barrel, but like, Hey, we're going to take you from zero to as close to hero as we can get. And we're going to, we're going to teach you how to run what you brung. And so you have to be able, that's a, that's a, that's a spectrum that you have to be able to like fall into. So like, you know, you, with the mindset of like, Hey, we're not, you know, I think these guys are bored. I don't think they're bored. I think that, and I know, I, I, I know exactly where you're coming from because I've had the same, the same thought processes myself as well, because I mean, think about it for a second. I get a job. Um, I'm a, I'm, I'm working as a steel fabricator and, um, I interview with a leading firearms component manufacturer and they give me a job to teach people how to shoot a rifle, right? And they're just like, yep, you can work from home. Um, The business plan that you proposed, as long as you execute on that and you're hitting your numbers, the A-OK, right? Roger that. We're going to give you whatever you need to accomplish this, right? Right. We want you to represent our brand well, and we want you to help us with, uh, I guess, basically marketing the company by being a good face of the company. There's a tremendous amount of pressure with that, tremendous amount of pressure. And so then you look at those scenarios and you go, okay, man, this is my curriculum. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to teach these guys. And then... You go through a class, and sometimes the class uh, doesn't go well because you got equipment problems. I can't tell you how many times. You know how many times I went out as a single, as a one-man show with like 16 people working for Magpul? All the time. Go to Volusia County, 16 people for seven, eight days. Just me, you know, and you're working your ass off to make sure that those people have an amazing, wonderful experience and communicate the information that you need. And not every class is gonna be the same. Not every curriculum is a one size fits all, but every single, the, the vast majority of everybody's experience was that they had a good time. And I don't, I'm not saying that because I want like pats on the back, but I'm saying that because we, all have a tendency to get in our our own heads and say we're not doing enough, we're not showing up enough. And the reason that we are doing what we're doing is because we are enough and we are showing up enough and people want to hear what the fuck it is that we have to say. It's a
2: negative bias ourselves.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's it, it, it's I think that in modulated amounts it's healthy because it keeps us aware of our own um It keeps us aware of our own tendencies. It keeps us aware of our own complexes, you know, by going, man, I know that I always do this. I always do this. When you can look at something and say, I always do this, that means you have a complex, right? That's a complex around that. And so just by you saying, I always do this, I always have a tendency to do this, you're aware of that complex. And so therefore, you being aware of it allows you to be able to put a label on it and then allows you to be able to. Manage it,
2: just like just the other night, I always feel like a burden, yeah yep. burden complex, I always feel like right? a burden, yep, and I mean wherever that comes from in my past, I'm not totally sure got a few ideas, but uh, yeah, I mean, it could be the littlest things of phone calls. I mean, I feel like a burden in most areas in my life, even unto myself, and dealing with that at all times, I have to constantly remind myself, so like being down here the past week. I have to remind myself that that's coming from me, not without, but it also is a, uh, I'm going to say a sensitivity, but I don't mean it in like, oh, I'm sensitive. It means I'm a, uh, I'm being, I'm overly sensitive to the environment and how uh, like this little sign, this little sure. sign can lead to me feeling that way. That's,
1: I, I I mean, I'm not trying to call you out by any stretch, but like, that's most likely if I could, if I could bet, if I could bet, I don't know, what do you want to bet? You want to, bet something? I don't want to bet anything? You want to bet anything? You're not a betting, man. Hell no. <laughs> I would be willing to place a significant wager that what he was just describing is something that you were that you were feeling, which was causing you to go, "This is not enough." When in reality, it was more than enough. I know exactly what it is. What is it? I don't
2: want to publicly say it, but. <laughs> Speak your truth, dude. Yeah, man. The only way to uh, really move through these things is not—it's not necessarily speaking it out loud to like random people. It's speaking it aloud to yourself, and then having a mirror that will reflect it back to you in a way that actually hits. Uh, not hits. Hits is the wrong word. It's to, um, in a way that explains it to you that you have not heard yourself so much like us as teachers that we have to teach them the things that they may know or not know in another way that really resonates. So some of the most influential things that have been said to me in my life were things that I said to a person and they mirrored back to me in another way.
1: Mm, that's pretty powerful.
2: Yeah. like yeah. I, It was mirrored back to me that the reason I put myself in jobs that risk my life is because it became my duty to protect those that um, could not protect themselves the way that I felt I should have been protected. Right, yeah, yeah. And that led to— Damn, that's deep. It put me in tears when I heard it because then I really knew it was true. And then it translated into I only feel worthy when I'm putting myself in a position to be killed for someone.
1: That's pretty that's pretty that's powerful. That's yeah. powerful man.
2: Yeah. For and, sure. and it was only top
1: that right right.
2: I'm not going to try. <laughs> 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 well, I uh, and th- I can say that with confidence without like someone could just go bashing that on me and it would oh, totally. and it yeah, wouldn't I mean, hurt me because that's why I also think that's a beautiful thing. Well, so regardless. a hater would a hater would try to find that and exploit
1: that, yeah. right? And try to cause you to feel shame around that aspect of yourself when it's just like, bitch I already just told you what it is. Yeah. Like you would literally have no power over me. Right. So, um, and I think it's, and that's the most empower That's the most important thing because once you realize that, like you strip that power away from the hater by accepting it and saying, yeah, I fucking do that, but I'm aware of it. Right. I have and, I'm not, and I'm power. not, and I'm not going to be defensive when I'm called out on it because that's where the growth is. Yeah. Right so yeah absolutely like if you call yourself out on it you're just like yeah i know i fucking do that it,
2: it always makes me think of the line from shooter bob lee swagger oh god He's like, he goes uh you know he puts he, what did he say he, they push that patriot card right and i ain't really proud of it but i ain't ashamed either like I'm really, not proud of it, but really I'm not ashamed. ashamed. I never understood that yeah. until I that's, related yeah, okay. to that. you. Yeah, that's good. Right. Uh, that's, yeah. good. Uh, that's yeah. good. Okay. And uh, <laughs> you thought I was gonna say something <laughs> out, that's that, about that's
0: what, that's that's when he's talking to his girlfriend. His, yeah. his dead well, spotter's girlfriend. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, <laughs> that's deep right there. Just that, like, the de- what is it? Dead spotter's girlfriend.
0: Girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's deep. Well, and, I'm going to watch you tonight before yeah. we go.
2: No, but uh, not. The, it, the thing about it is, like, <laughs> the way I look at it is, like, emotion. Like, I thought I was th- I was going down this rabbit hole of thought once. It was, what is the most powerful thing on earth, right? What is pow- whatever there be? most powerful guns, storm, whatever, and I I started to realize, like, you go all throughout history, and people have done these great things, whether they be terrible or good, they were great, Genghis Khan comes to mind, Alexander the Great, um, the British, what they did, like, they did these great things, what drove all of that? It wasn't the need for spice, it wasn't to conquer, it was emotion. Emotion, in my opinion, is the most powerful thing on earth, but what is more powerful than that is a man or woman—I mean, man as species—a man who can control their emotion becomes the most powerful because they can use that and wield it any way they deem fit.
1: You ever read the Forty-Eight Laws of Powder?
2: Yes, you actually recommended it to All me. Right, I read. Good. Yeah, because yeah. that's like—it's yeah. a tough one to get through. Yeah.
1: But it's well worth it. Yeah. And the first Forty-Eight time- Laws of. The 48 laws of it's, Power. it's
2: actually banned in a lot of
1: places and it's because the first time you read it or like the first two um so the way robert green has it structured each law of power is a historical story yeah. and so um it could be like a story of alexander the great or it could be like you know king louis or something like that and, and so it's a historical reference to like hey this is something that that this person experienced this was their reaction to what they experienced and then this was the second, third, fourth order effects, effects of the of yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And then it's like the first, the very first one is, don't outshine the master, right? Oh yeah. And, and so, don't outshine the master because as soon as you outshine the master, if the nar- if the master has any, you're a threat. If the nar- if the master <laughs> has any, if the master is not secure in his own mastery. And there's any, there's just a little bit of glimpse of narcissism within the master, you're fucking done.
2: That's so easy to see like, in the military.
1: You're done. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent.
2: A close friend of mine, he retired out of JSOC for twenty six years, and him and I had a conversation on a ten hour drive. The most common phrase I remember hearing as a, uh, you know, E three E four is like, "That's fucking stupid. I'm not doing that," and we end up doing it, right? So I'm telling him that because. He was a colonel and I was a a corporal. So like there's an extreme difference in that. It's a
1: good perspective.
2: Yeah. And so, um, but we had that conversation about that phrase and he's like, yeah, I use that all the time and I end up doing it. That's fucking stupid. So when I I got the opportunity, like a few days later, we're trying to like just put stuff in a van and everything. And he's like, hey, uh, we need to do this. Grab that and do it over there. I, lowly E4, took my opportunity to a colonel and I looked. I was like, that's fucking stupid. I'm not doing that. And I went and did what I wanted to do. And he was like, you're right. That was fucking stupid. Because he was secure in himself yeah. and didn't have an this insecurity. Person was, this person was able to think on their own. Exactly. And then when he saw that, he goes, you're right. That was fucking stupid. And I just looked at him. I was like, I felt really good. <sighs> that, <laughs> I, felt, I felt like I got four years off my chest. <laughs> <Right>.
1: Yep. <laughs> No, it's, a, it's not a, it's everything, everybody experiences it, man. Everybody experiences it. I've experienced it many times. I've had like tremendous anxiety driving to the range and oh, just yeah. knowing, fuck, what's this day going to be like? What's this day going to be like? Am I going to be able to do what I need to do? Are these guys going to be able to have a good experience? Because it all rests on my shoulders, right? So that's not, a, it's not a, a thought process or a feeling that you're alone in by any stretch.
2: None at all. No, that only really goes away from me once I start going through the movements of prepping, getting everything done, getting the gun ready, getting the class set up, like oh, my body's getting in gear, okay, this is what we're doing, and it just feel like Phil said, other Phil. Flow state. Other Phil. We'll refer to him as Other Phil. Other Phil. Other Phil. I'm really I like that. bummed, man. I really yeah.
1: wanted to have uh yeah. I really wanted to do an episode with Sam. I think he would have been a riot. He's got a ten pound brain. <laughs>
0: like if 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 it's if there's one person that i truly enjoyed meeting this weekend in person it was him just because again you know his online persona is just i shouldn't say different like he didn't he's that different
1: right i think he's identical
0: identical yeah. right but then i think just the extra layers of like being able to interact with him and then just seeing the Marine. I was about to uh, say yeah, we just yeah, saw yeah. the Marine Like not yeah. even the Marine, but the yeah. infantrymen come out of yeah. him was just absolutely beautiful. It right. Was. And like it was absolutely and beautiful. like I was like, oh my
2: fucking God, you are my fucking brother.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's For funny sure. how you can instantly click. It's like yeah. uh he was talking about at dinner how it was like way back in the day. And you just made the comment. and You started laughing. I was like, what? And you're like, I love how it just doesn't fucking change. change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Good. But that dude is, uh, he, you can tell when you talk to him and how he gives his answers. He thinks a lot about uh, whether it be his life, life and the reasons why and the consequences of. And Ooh. he knows who yeah. he is. And yeah. the dude seems totally comfortable and secure. And, yeah, and I yeah. love that about. Yeah. I love that about him. Yeah, yeah, because you know, because because
0: I think uh, with some of the questions he asked, they could be easily construed as like he wants to hear himself talk or ask the For questions, sure. right? Like, because because there are people like that, right? I've, we've had students like many that many that times. like you're like okay, you're really just you know like uh, just brown nosing at this point, like yeah. you really know the answer you just want to hear yourself ask the question you want everyone else to hear that's right that's right right Mm -hmm. and and so every one of his questions even in his contributions to the
1: network have been so genuine which by the way he has the most he has the most engagement Yeah. yeah like cassandra sent me a metric and she's like hey you need to understand like this dude has literally opened every single Piece of content that we have cultivated on this platform. Awesome. It's amazing because yeah. there's a lot. Yes.
2: It's like you're the maddest of MDR.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just reading everything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, and it's yeah. it's bizarre because, yeah. well, the other part of that is just like, I want to ask myself, how do you work so efficiently? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah that's so a really good question. Right? Yeah. right? Because I guarantee that that individual, like, we know what he does for a living. And the job that he has most likely takes a tremendous amount of energy from him on a daily basis so it's just like where do you find the time
2: explain like i was listen to every podcast him. too yeah. he's listening to, from what he told me he listened to every podcast all the videos the only thing i could think is he's got speed reading on his side
1: well then maybe <laughs> we'll just uh you know because he said you know He was like, well, you know, I don't want to delay the release and so on and so forth. I have to do the things to make sure that, you know, the things are in place. So that way I can do this podcast. So we're going to make sure that that happens. But I think one of the subjects that I want to discuss with him is like, how do you do it? Like, explain to me, like, how you do this? Because he's also like, hey, man, family is very important to me. And he always is when he comes into our network meetings. Um. You can tell that he's like, sometimes he's like, he's like leaning up against the dishwasher <laughs> with his phone, you know, and yeah. he's just like, he's like, you know, I don't want to disturb my family. They're in the back room, right? So I'm like leaning up against the dishwasher to uh, be a part of this discussion. And for me, that's super humbling, especially knowing what his background he's is.
2: dedicating his time that he could be with his family to the MDR, to yep. MDS, yeah, which is no, super cool. Yep. Yeah. So I think
1: that um I think that the I think that the scope carving cu- curriculum has so much potential to go forward. I think it has a tremendous amount of potential to go forward. And it for me it was a breath of fresh air because it's been a long time since I looked at a rifle from a fighting rifle's perspective.
0: Yeah. The very first thing that Kalen said to me as soon as we got on the the 15 yard line he's like He's like, you know what? Like now that we're doing this, I fucking miss it. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the, I miss. the photos. And fucking I got Caleb of you. got straight into
2: the zone today when when, yeah. uh, when he, it, he stepped in front of the students. He became Jean. <laughs> the photos I got of you behind a carbine looked so much like you were enjoying yourself mm-hmm. and like you hadn't mm-hmm. like, done I, 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 I saw you bring the gun up to shoulder, and I was next to Phil. I was like, oh, I gotta go. I gotta get this. I gotta get him with this gun. <laughs> I really the, enjoy it.
1: it. I enjoy it. We're going to build a shooting, um, you know, where, uh, where I got my retaining wall, right? Where the garden, the garden beds are, right? So down that little kind of hill, um, as it goes up to the ridge, I'm pretty sure that's all like real soft, real soft dirt. And I'm going to have somebody come in. I'm going to carve out probably like 30 feet of that build and turn bed. it into a berm and flatten it out down there. And um, I'll put some drain rock in we're going to make it a little tiny mini square bay. Yeah, just so I can just get some reps in because I really do miss it. I used to shoot pistols and carbines quite a bit when I was working at Magpul, and I really enjoyed teaching as an assistant instructor with vehicle tactic classes, CQB stuff, because it was a different, um, it was a different perspective, right? It was a different method of being an infantryman.
2: When was the last time you shot at a target that close as you did today? That's what I. That's what came to mind. Gosh, like, man, Kalen's on the fifteen yard line. There's something's wrong. Really long time. Yeah, <laughs> it really
1: was. It was a super long time. We did a. I had uh, my buddy Aaron. Uh, my buddy Aaron's a former uh, third group guy, SIF dude, and he used to contract for us at Magpul to do our CQB stuff and our vehicle tactics stuff. Um. And the simplicity with which he would teach these things was, for me, mind blowing. It was just like, dude, I'm used to being like knife handed by a bunch of fucking asshole Marines, you know? Like, that's supposed to feels like home. Aaron's like Aaron's this this SF dude who's
2: like, yeah, he
1: just. It's funny, man. We we taught together and. And like, this is like, I can totally, now I can integrate this, right. And and totally accept this about myself. But we taught this law enforcement vehicle tactics class and we're having lunch and the students are like, man, you guys are a great blend, you know, like super good blend of, you know, Aaron is the, they look at him and they're like, Aaron's the quintessential don't give a fuck SF guy. And then Kalen, like, you're the quintessential fucking, like, sort of high-strung Marine. And I was like, Aaron looked at me and I looked at him and we both laughed at each other. And he's like, I feel the same way about you. And then he goes, I feel the same way about you too. <laughs> <laughs> so it was perfect, you know, it was yeah. a great, it was a great blend. And um, it taught me how to mellow myself out by seeing how Aaron presented himself in the way with which he delivered information. And Aaron was just like that very pragmatic dude of, you know, we put these cops into a scenario where um Aaron, it was a long it was a linear linear long hallway and um rooms, 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 office building type Feeding shit. Shooting into the left and right? Yeah, like opposing threats, opposing threats, opposing threats. And we wanted to see how that department was gonna allocate their resources to, to take care of those. And at what point in time were they gonna say, Oh, fucking slow down, like, or, hey, you need to keep the fuck up because we need to continue to clear these opposing threats. But we also had a threat. He had a guy that was, uh, he handed him a SIM pistol and said, hey, I want you to just kind of like, from the T intersection at the very back of the hall, I just want you to run back and forth and take pot shots at him. Mm -hmm. Pot shots, pot shots. Well, what this department did, as soon as they received contact, they had... First opposing threat, which is left room, right room. Second opposing threat, left room, right room. So they had four rooms occupied. And that's when Aaron looked at Omboy and said, yeah, go right now. So the security, long security, started to receive fire from the the threat back there. And they freaked out. And they were just like we heard the word retreat several times <laughs> and Aaron looked at me and he starts like doing like the surfer head nod, like smiling and laughing. And, uh, and he was just like, let's see what they do. And so before long, like they all bailed and two teams got left in the farthest forward rooms. They had no security and all the dudes were around the corner and nobody knew what to do. And Aaron's like, well, what the fuck are you going to do? What are you doing? What are you doing right now? There's somebody shooting at you down the hall. And so the team leader was basically like, well, we wouldn't, we wouldn't actually go chase after that threat, which might be a difference between the law enforcement world and the military world. Right. So fair enough. But then the team leader was like, well, we, well, we'd, uh, we'd probably send in a robot. And Aaron's like, okay, cool. You sent in your robot and, uh, oh boy, just fucking blasted your robot in the face with the fucking 12 gauge. Shit. Fucking, what next? And he's like, Well, we'd gas it. Aaron's like, Motherfucker's prepared. He's got a fucking gas mask and he's still shooting at you. Right? <laughs> and you could see the team leader getting more and more pissed every time that Aaron was throwing him a contingency, a counter to his contingency, and saying, Hey, motherfucker, I'm trying to train you how to do CQB. Get in there and take care of that threat. Like, that's what we're here to teach you how to do. I don't give a fuck about your legalities right now. You didn't You didn't hire me to teach you about legalities. You hired me to teach you how to do CQB. So apply the lessons. And you could see the team leaders, like his face at the end where he was just like, he relented and he was like, okay, fine. I understand what you're trying to get me to do. And things started to occur, right? So there's a great moment. It was a great learning moment to see how he handled that situation, and I think that's very attributable to the fact that sf dudes are their mission is unconventional warfare right so they're 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 supposed to interact with people that don't understand their way of doing things they're supposed to be able to bridge those gaps earn trust and say i'm here for your best interests i want you to succeed i'm going to give you the tools to succeed but you got to listen to me to do it and that's the difference between SF operators and normal soft guys, yeah. in my personal opinion.
2: Yeah, they uh, they do whatever the means necessary to solve the problem, with that that problem be, hey, here's how to write this letter to, hey, here's how to clear this room. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, absolutely.
1: They are they are the Renaissance men of special operations, for sure. Super blessed to be able to work with them. I worked with them in Iraq for about five days. Like, I don't understand why I got the opportunity to do that, but when I did, I quickly realized that I was in the wrong service. I was in the wrong branch of service. The shit that I did with those guys for a week was it's a just bold move, like, cotton. Holy shit. Like, yeah. yeah like, I, I remember listening to the mission briefs and going, Are we we're really going to do that?
2: And they're like, Yeah, man, we're totally going to do that. I remember hearing after I got out of the Marine Corps that you joined the military for. The job you want, not the service you want, because, well, it's like coming from Marine Corps Infantry and then getting out and learning more about SF outside of the military than I ever heard about inside. It's like, oh, that that job sounds way more cool. That sounds way more... Um, not operator, not any of the cool guy stuff. Sounds way more mentally driven, way more intellectually right. driven. absolutely, because... you got to be gonna, free form. Yeah, because the cool thing about that is that they'll take
1: everybody, like we were talking about earlier, like with OTC. The reason that that happens is they don't want to limit their scope to this small pool of individuals. They want that out, right? They They want to widen that scope as wide as it can be because... I can train you to be a gunfighter. Like I can train you to do all that shit. I want your mind. That's what I want. Right? I want your mind, I want your adaptability, I want I want your psychology, right? I want your ability to integrate into my team. That's what they want. Which I think is pretty powerful. So, and that's really I mean like with us like with somebody learning how to shoot a rifle, as long as they have the aptitude to learn and apply those skills, you can teach
2: anybody. It's like that conversation with James the other night, what makes a good shooter? Oh great. man, that oh, went deep damn. fast. Such Can we not... I don't re- mean to bring it up. Let's not, not revisit yeah, that. Let's yeah, yeah, not rehash it,
1: but yeah. it comes... But with, it was a great question. Yeah, it and really and was. We, James is a very deep thinker and I'm, I'm super, <laughs> I know James, you're gonna listen to this
2: podcast, dude. <laughs> And be like, um, I still didn't get my answer. I, I know. He
1: not <laughs> only James did you not get your answer, but you like I really wanted to give you an opportunity to be on a podcast, and you will. Um, sorry, it didn't work out, but um, like, yeah, you're a deep thinker. But so. it, it,
2: well, my point, real quick, was just uh, it's those inner things that the military doesn't really give you. They're looking for, and they have a known recipe. For bringing that out in the individuals that they are seeking right yep well I mean
1: you know all uh, all things being equal what we care about is is giving someone a great experience and uh, giving them an opportunity to like learn some new things meet some new people because every every class like the the camaraderie and the you know the the fellowship deepens right and so that's super cool
2: and explore more and, within uh, themselves too mm-hmm.
1: yeah so the precision rifle or the intro to precision rifle was i thought pretty flawlessly executed in the grand scheme of things this place is awesome um shout out the, the badass.
0: to josh bandy for continuing to Expand his facility. Big time. We had uh, a classroom this year. Yep. Stayed out of the
1: climate-controlled classroom. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, granted, the first three days were really great days, but still, like, great weather. Just having the fact, you know, having the ability to do it in a classroom just really changes yep. the focus. Experience, experience. You to use
1: some audiovisual stuff with trigger yep. cam footage. Yep. yep. You know, Ryan screen sharing the the Ford Off app, teaching people how to set it up. Like, that's a big. That, that's a good thing, and, and not every range has the ability to do that, and so most of you guys, like if you're looking to come out to a class with us, we are prepared to do everything on a whiteboard, like a little tiny, you know, portable whiteboard, we're totally prepared to, to teach everything on that, but if we do have that advanced AV equipment and the ability to use it, we're going to give you, uh, we're going to give you that experience as well, so... Day two of scope carbine is coming up. What are we doing tomorrow? Uh, We're
3: doing the long range aspect of it. Uh, So we'll start with the uh, zero confirmations, probably run them through that close range drill again, just to kick some of the rust off uh, and let them get some more rounds down range. And then I'll get into nowhere near as deep as our intro course external ballistics but just kind of like a basic understanding of what's happening uh with environmental conditions and then uh building the solvers out uh did we get muzzle velocities on everyone today i thought some I saw of you. them I saw well, you i'd say
0: i'd say about s- eight seven out of nine of them do have them okay oh, that's easy. so chrono them and then uh yeah build
3: out the solvers and then we'll validate. And then from there, depending on timeline and how they're doing, uh, pretty much just kind of hit the ground running with known distance some unknown distance, a lot of positional work, moving, shooting, moving between barricades. So we're gonna have to keep an eye on the safety aspect of things. Uh, but I definitely wanna just, like, towards the end of the day, give free range, like, go sure. like do yeah. it like just push. go go do just, some discovery learning yes exactly just yep. go do your shit and so I was like I, I, I taught you the stuff like there's no reason for me to just keep talking like okay. go shoot you came here to shoot go do and work on the things that we taught you and we'll go around and critique here and there but I can't just baby you the entire time and just keep repeating myself to say the same stuff right. it's counterproductive yep. so It'll be good. And then day three will be the culminating event. Events.
0: Right on, man. Well, this is a great, great. Uh, a
1: lot of, there, a lot, a of, lot depth. of, yeah. A lot of depth. A, a
0: lot of, it, it was a combination of both uh, mindfulness and technical. I think um, we, did, we didn't even get a chance to introduce John on the podcast, <laughs> but it's okay.
2: Oh uh, Yes, you can. But it's okay. Yeah. John,
0: thanks for being here with us for the last past week. Um thanks for thanks for uh all your efforts in not only capturing content but uh assisting us as an assistant instructor and uh just uh, uh blessing us with your presence man so no, I appreciate it. thank it. you thanks for
2: having me I mean You're welcome I think today I broke 1400 photos <laughs> last Good, week man. but uh no it's been great for me and I appreciate you guys for having me out and cooking tacos in the morning <laughs> yeah john's, john's like man i never lived so good on the road yeah i know i'm gonna where, where do you live phil Can I, i'm just gonna move in yeah um no i would appreciate come down and um, pick brains refresh relearn get up to date try to get ahead of the curve of relevancy um and uh you know See, and it it allows me to go forth and give my students better education, give uh, more thoughtfulness behind what I'm doing, both in the uh, the emotional field, the mindfulness field, and well, the shooting as well. I mean, that's what is one of the main things besides us all being crown eaters have in common. <laughs> Phil in the room putting on socks, and no, no, it's Phil, Kaylin, and just giving a random yut in the room. Yeah. <laughs> You don't remember that? No, I What'd I do? <laughs> I were cracking up. You're in there on your bed, putting on your socks. You? Yeah. Oh no! You guys were talking about some bullshit
1: out here, and I just—I heard but, uh, what you were saying, and I just yeah. like added a quickie little comment. Can't yeah. be
3: accurate because
2: I'm, I never speak bullshit. I speak good stuff. <laughs> but yeah, being yeah. around the camaraderie and everything's been fantastic. So yeah, good good thing.
0: Right on, man. Cool guys. Well, day two is tomorrow. Yeah. Ooh, so. Appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this one. Let us know down in the comments. We're creeping toward 100 episodes. 100. 100 no. 100, 100 episodes. Uh, we're, we're creeping episodes. to our 100th episode and very, very close to the 1 million downloads. So, appreciate all the support and love. So, uh, we'll see you guys in the next podcast. So, then, you guys know the drill. Keep your face on the gun. Get out and bang. Blooming onions.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man.